scripture reading comes this morning from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This Lent, we're going to be uh, spending some time uh, looking at different individuals of the Bible to see how they are experiencing the amazing grace of God in their life in response to uh, just the way that God has worked and in their different situations and like today, the message that they had for the people. On Ash Wednesday, we looked at King David who experienced the grace of God when he realized the extent of his sin after committing adultery with Bathsheba and then arranging to have her husband killed. One of the texts that we looked at from the Bible was Psalm 51, which tells of David's word to God in prayer as he realized how far he had fallen and how God's grace was the only way that he could write his relationship with God after what he had done. And so as we begin looking at this morning's individual from the Bible, I want to invite you to begin thinking about a time in your life perhaps when you have experienced or felt despair. It doesn't really matter the reason, because I think all of us, for whatever reason, have different times in our lives where we've felt that way. Whether it's the feeling of hopelessness, the feeling of not having control, or maybe the feeling of being stuck. We may feel like we cannot see the light and the darkness that surrounds us, and all of us know how it feels, whatever the reason that we might feel that way. We know that when we are in that place, we know that experiencing that place, it is so easy for us to fall into the mindset that one, we're the only one experiencing it, that we're the only one who knows how it feels, we're the only one who, who has ever had it happen to us, and so we feel alone. And when we get to that place, it's so easy for us to forget that we have a community of faith that surrounds us. We have people that care for us, that are with us. We forget that there are others that have walked that same path or perhaps are even on a similar path themselves. And we forget that some of the most faithful people that we can read of and that we can think of in our own faith journey and in our own life have also at some point in their life experienced it. Where they as well were stuck and without hope and where they were able to find a way out. They found they were not alone, and they heard and they received the message today that we receive from the book of Isaiah and from God, which is a message of hope. This is the experience of Israel, if you think about it. 
This experience of despair, and if you look at uh, many different passages in the Old Testament where Israel was in the exact same place that we may find ourselves. I mean, think about the book of Exodus. Exodus is um, a book that tells us quite a bit of, of Israel and the people of Israel feeling despair. Despair and hopelessness in Israel as, as um, the man Israel and his sons experienced the drought that led to him sending his sons to Egypt to buy grain where they encountered their brother Joseph that they had sold into slavery years before. It was out of hopelessness and despair that Israel cried out to God when they were under slavery of Pharaoh, you know, 400 years later, when they were being forced to, to bake the bricks and to make the bricks and to do the construction in Egypt. It was out of despair that Israel cried out to God and cried out to Moses. And it was even out of despair that they cried out to God when they were standing on the shores of the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army and chariots were approaching uh, before God parted the waters. I mean, those are just a few examples of despair from the Old Testament. And I'm sure as you think about it, you can think of a few maybe as well. But I want us to think about that as we think about this morning's passage of Scripture from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is an interesting book of the Bible, of the Old Testament, because it covers what is a, peri a time period of roughly 200 years in the Old Testament. And so Isaiah chapter 6, which is our scripture this morning, comes from a time when the kingdom of Israel has been divided in between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom of Israel is um, in the northern part, and, and they are being threatened by the kingdom of Assyria, which is a rising and growing power in the region that is starting to push against the power and the empire of the Egyptians that have ruled up to this point. For the northern kingdom, it's difficult because due to their location, you can see they're right in the middle. So they're right there. The green is the northern kingdom. If you can't read the letters, I guess it'd be the words. You might see the letters. You don't read the words. Anyway, um, and so to encounter, uh, to counter the, the rise of the Assyrians, the northern kingdom has engaged in a coalition with the neighboring kingdom of Aram, which is the kingdom to the upper right corner. It's just brown uh, of the green there. And, but what they've done is they've formed you know, a defensive coalition to where they've pledged to protect each other. And then Israel and Aram want Judah, which is the red, to join the coalition. The king of Judah is Uzziah, and he realizes that due to location, Judah doesn't need to do anything. The main trade routes don't pass through Judah, not in the way that they do in the northern kingdom of Israel. And so eventually the northern kingdom falls to the Assyrians and the result of this is that many of the leading citizens, craftsmen, and others are being redistributed all around the Assyrian empire. So basically they're, they're taken, they're up, uprooted, and they're settled in other parts of the empire and others are moved into their land. And so the people of the northern kingdom, as you can imagine, as their country has fallen, have fallen into hopelessness and despair. As they've seen the city of Samaria and others, or the region of Samaria, you know, and, and their, their capital city and other places destroyed. As they found themselves taken to other lands, as they are living now under the authority of the Assyrians, there is no longer a time for them to boast in their own kingdom, a time for them to still loosely be affiliated and connected with the temple. This is a time of exile. 
but it was an exile that they knew they deserved. For generations, they had lived apart from God. They'd chosen to worship other gods. They'd chosen to create false idols, and they had chosen to create their own idea of worship. And so prophets had already been sent to warn them, to pronounce judgment on them, as they were called to offer justice and to call for the people to humbly serve God. And now they're in exile. And exile is where they felt hopeless and where they felt despair and where they remembered and wondered if God had forgotten them. So friends, that's where Isaiah comes in. Because the message that they receive from the prophet Isaiah is not a message that's consistent with some of the other messages that we read in the different prophets of the Old Testament. Rather than bringing a message of judgment and of, um, you know, of calling Israel to turn, Isaiah brings a different message to them because he brings a message of hope and of possibility rather than warning and judgment. I mean, if you think of, of half of our readings in the season of Advent, all of the Old Testament ones are, are basically from Isaiah. As we read of a root that's coming out of the stump of Jesse's tree, as we read of, of the names of who the Messiah will be called, as we hear words of, of hope and words of possibility, words like this where Isaiah says, Comfort, O comfort, my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, her penalty is paid, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Instead of a message of judgment, what is Isaiah saying? He's bringing comfort. He's bringing a message of hope. He's bringing a message that I think all of us definitely prefer, which is a message of comfort and of hope and of forgiveness that we can receive when we repent of our sins and when we pursue a right relationship with God. Who doesn't want to hear that? The message that God has come in the person of Jesus to nurture us back into wholeness, to invite us back into life, to allow us to receive and to accept the hope that only He can bring. See, God didn't leave the people of Israel with the last word being of desolation and despair. God didn't leave the people of the Israel standing in the streets of Assyria wondering what had gone on and feeling alone. The words of Isaiah are words of hope. The last word was not hopeless. The last word was not despair. The last word for God, friends, is always hope. For Israel, it was hope in a Messiah that was going to come. And in a promise that where the chains of exile would be broken and all would be set free, set free from, from the sin that weighed them down, set free from the obstacles that sin places in their way, set free from being exiled and, and taken from the land of their fathers, all would be able to see the work of God and the glorious grace through which He was doing it. And for us, the hope was different. The hope is the hope of Jesus, who comes as the living Word of God, who brings comfort and who brings light into the darkness. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. 
I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not quench. These are the words of Isaiah talking about Jesus. And if you think about the baptism of Jesus, what is the thing that John, after John baptized Jesus, he came out of the water. What did God say? This is my son. Okay, this is my son whom I have chosen in whom my soul delights. Listen to him. This is my son whom I have chosen, whom I love. Listen to him. Depending on the translation, I might say a little different thing. But basically what John the Baptist is doing is using the words of God himself. What the Gospels are telling us is that God's words from the Old Testament are the exact same words that God used to point out who Jesus was when he was baptized. Friends, that's hope. And then Isaiah says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. This is the hope that we have in Jesus. Is the one who casts out all fear, whose sacrifice forgives all sins. Jesus who brings grace to sinners and who welcomes the outcast and who meets us where we are in our sin, and then invites us to leave it and to journey to the cross. This is the message of hope. Isaiah said, He had no form or majesty that we should look at Him, nothing in His appearance that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by others, a man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity, and as one from whom others hide their faces, He was despised, and we held Him of no account. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases, yet we accounted him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole, and by his bruises we are healed. Isaiah promised that that one would come, and that through the suffering of that one, the servant would pay the price for all of our mistakes for all of our transgressions, for all of our sins, that Jesus would go to the cross so that we might experience His forgiveness and experience His saving grace, grace that takes you while you are incomplete, and grace that God makes you whole with. Friends, unlike the people of Israel who heard the message of Isaiah, we have the knowledge of being able to read their words And also knowing that the words of Isaiah are the words of what came true in the person of Jesus. We have the knowledge and the ability to see that in their despair and in their hopelessness, they had to trust that the message that they were receiving would come true. And we have the benefit of knowing that it did come true. Of Jesus who came and in his life did not bend a reed or extinguish a dimly lit wick, Jesus who came into our wilderness, into our darkness, into our despair, whatever the word is you want to use to describe it. Jesus who brings us only light. And here's the thing for us to remember this Lent. It's whenever we feel like we are in the wilderness apart from God and others and apart and without hope, we can remember that God has sent us Jesus Christ. God is there. And he sent Jesus to shine into our lives and into our darkness. God has sent Jesus into our despair to give us his grace. And in the message of Isaiah, 
I invite you this Lent to embrace the grace of God. To remember that Isaiah told Israel that hopelessness and despair was never the last word with God. Because God is a, hope of God, of, a, God, is a God of hope who always allows us to turn from our sins and who always gives us the opportunity to claim that very hope of Jesus. Amen.